0: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Oh yes, there are lots of fish in this river. He said. I was skeptical. But are they wild fish? Oh, yes. They'll fight real nice for you. Wild might not have translated the way I wanted it to. Are these the kinds of fish that are from your country, or have they been put there from somewhere else? Oh, yes, he said. The fish are from here, mostly. I had been given the green light to take a day to go fishing on our European vacation. To protect the identity of the individual in question, Let's just say that the country this story takes place in is famous for pasta and looking like a boot. Hopping on the internet, I found that there are a number of legitimate trout fishing opportunities in and around where I would have been in Italy. Big rivers and mountain creeks filled with familiar as well as somewhat exotic species. And everything seemed to be accompanied by some pretty remarkable backdrops. I found a couple of guides to communicate with and started planning a day fishing in the European countryside. I wanted to experience some real fishing. Just like here, there are some amazing rivers that contain huge fish over there. But also like here, many of them have stocking programs and are seasonal fisheries. I wasn't about numbers or size, I just wanted to catch a fish in a place that it was from. Inasmuch as I wasn't going to be eating at the nicest olive garden in Italy, I wanted an authentic fly fishing experience. Whizzing in and out of traffic in an unfamiliar vehicle the size of a bumper car, the thought did cross my mind that I'd take fishing for stocked rainbows over dying. Oh yes, here we use very heavy rod for the fish. It is like your 7 or 8 weight. Wow, I stammered. That must really do a number on the small mountain fish. Oh, no, we use a light line with the rod. It's like your 5 or your 6. I was thankful that my wife and I had a don't-think-about-the-conversion-rate mindset on the trip because I was beginning to think that my Euros were going to be somewhat misspent. He was nice enough, professional, punctual, and presumably adept at driving getaway cars, His rates were fair, and there were lots of photos featuring heavy trout on his website. Plus, he was taking care of all the logistics. The licensing, permitting, and what have you was beyond me. Oh no, no worry. You just come and we fish. And I was guaranteed wild fish. Well, mostly. Apparently, that was good enough for me. When we arrived at the river, I unclenched every muscle in my body and rolled out of the tiny car. I think the hood ornament was a bee or a moth or something. The river was picturesque. The cliffs on either side were spotted with shrubbery. Small villas poked out of the hilltop trees, and I could hear the water. As he unpacked the gear from the trunk back seat area between us, I wandered down to the river. The water was clear, and I could feel the coolness rising up from it as I took a few steps down the bank. There was a lot of aquatic vegetation waving back and forth in the quick current. The stream bottom and banks were comprised of smooth, tan gravel, and I saw a few fish. At that moment, all the highway shenanigans and back and forth about species was gone. I was looking at trout, and I wanted to catch them. It was a beautiful day, and I was in an amazing place. The sights, sounds, and smells were new and exciting. I had a chance to do what I love. Why should I complain? It was then I heard a truck rumbling up the dirt road on the other side of the river. As it neared, I noticed a large, peeling and faded decal of a fish on the door of the cab. It passed, and I followed it to my right and up the hill. It pulled up to a gate, and the driver hopped out. He had hip boots on, and as he unlatched the large entryway, I saw concrete walls sticking a few feet up off the ground. I squinted to see exactly what I was looking at, and then it hit me. I was about to fish, in Italy, next to a hatchery. The thought had barely begun to process when I heard him. Oh, yes, lots of fish today, you see. Get in your boots, and we'll get them. The Galleria dell'Accademia, the Ponte Vecchio, the Cattedrale di Santa Maria del Fiore. For the past few days, i had been standing in these places, absorbing the immensity of their historical and cultural significance. Statues, paintings, and facades that i had been seeing my whole life were now right in front of me. There were moments that were humbling emotional and contemplative, and then there were moments when I realized that I was paying hundreds of euros to fish next to a hatchery. Oh yes, lots of fish today, you see. Get on your boots and we'll get them. Oh yes, I thought, I bet there are a whole lot of fish here and up on those concrete raceways. Now I'm not too good for stock trout. I've caught my fair share and actually believe that there are some very viable reasons for stocking fish. Overall, I think that there's more harm than good that is done when there's native fish populations, but I'm not going to balk at fat, dumb rainbows thrown into a Midwestern pond for kids fishing in a fishing derby. What I was and am balking at was specifically asking to fish for native trout on my international vacation and then being wildly driven across the Italian countryside to fish for boutique browns. Now, northern Italy contains a portion of the Dolomites, as part of the typically limestone southern Alps, the rivers that flow from the mountains down into the valleys below contain fishes that thrive in cold water ecosystems. The salmonids present are strains of the brown trout, with fish like the marble trout reaching incredible sizes on the Italian-Slovenian border. There are native fish to be had, and European fly fishers are engaged in conservation in ways that are not dissimilar to what we are used to in the United States. With only a day's worth of time and limited radius of travel, I knew that my options were limited. I wasn't going to be venturing into the Alps in search of giant exotic fish, but I had one request, native trout. I've guided a little, but I'm far from an expert. But the one thing I do know is that the purpose of the guide is to give the client what they want. On smallmouth trips, I had people that were perfectly content catching sunfish. I'd gently steer them towards flies and spots that would produce bass, and, in my mind, give them the most bang for their buck. But if they were resistant, I'd back down. Unless they're going to wait over a waterfall, the customer is always right. So again, maybe the language barrier was an issue. I figured there was no sense in being difficult in the middle of the woods in a foreign country, for a number of reasons, so I sucked it up and got ready to fish. We'd been talking about the chance of fishing dries on the ride up. The sun was hitting the water, and I did see a few little mayflies bobbing around the stream bank. But nothing was rising in a constant manner, so we agreed an emerger would be a good bet. The tackle, albeit a little bit bulkier than I was used to for small trout streams, was normal enough. The reel was set up for right-hand retrieve, which wasn't the end of the world, but sure felt awkward. Oh yes, many of us reel with right hands, he said. I was quickly into a fish. The browns were feisty, pretty enough, and presumably good fighters. Each one was between 12 and 14 inches, but didn't really stand a chance against the heavy rod. In the moment, I wasn't frustrated or bothered. It wasn't like I could just pack up and go somewhere else. Plus, they were actively feeding fish in front of me. Maybe I'm not mature enough as a fisherman, but that situation is difficult to extract oneself from. As I was fishing a riffle, my guide got a phone call. He gave me the one-second finger and headed upstream. I caught and released a few fish, and he still wasn't back. Then I heard some noises in the bushes behind me. He was a pretty big, confident-striding Italian fellow. These noises were sneakier, lower, and unfamiliar. Great, I whispered out loud. How ironic that I'm going to be eaten by a wild animal on the banks of a stocked trout stream. I waded in in a few extra steps, you know, for protection. The rustling got louder, and I began to go through all the bear-aversion tactics I've read about. Make yourself bigger? Make noise? Go into the fetal position? but are there even bears in Italy? And if so, do they even read the English edition of Field and Stream to know what methods of human behavior are supposed to shoo them off? And if not a bear, what creature could it be? I think there's wolves in the Italian fairy tales. It's common knowledge that there's Sasquatch everywhere. Just as my heart couldn't take it, and I was getting too deep for my canvas hip boots, I saw the source of the noise. A small woman picking mushrooms. The crisis was averted. Good thing I didn't have any bear brown hand, otherwise I'd still probably be in the town jail. We smiled and waved, and I got back to fishing. My guide came around the riverbend. How is it? Any big trouts? he asked. Well, I have friends coming to fish. This will be good. Oh, yes. Guiding, it seems, is different in this part of the world. I'd soon find out that I didn't know the half of it. See, I've always been fascinated by the dynamic of same-different on the stream. One example is how I can be in the mountain trout stream anywhere in the Appalachia, and there's going to be some geological similarities. But if my eyes wander up the banks, the foliage will be completely different, north and south. Now another is Colorado trout in a feeding lie. Watching natural bugs drift overhead may be a cutthroat, but I'm not thinking about any species-specific thoughts when I'm casting to it as opposed to a brown trout exhibiting the same behavior. I'd be happy catching either of them, and the experience will only differ a little bit but the backdrop of the Rockies is wholly different in the rolling hills of the Mid-Atlantic. To give one more example, hearing a group of older men talk loudly on the stream bank when you're trying to fish can happen anywhere. Having it be in Italian and on top of my guided trip was unique to my current situation, especially since my guide was part of their boisterous antics. But at that point, it was just one more thing in an interesting day of fly fishing, Stile Italiano. After leaving me alone to fend off a mushroom-hunting octogenarian, My guide returned with a hearty, oh yes, and the promised threat of impending company. His friends were all fly fishermen, and they smoked, drank, and carried on in an embarrassingly stereotypical fashion. I just continued to cast and mend, cast and mend. I'd catch a fish here and there, and he'd hand a cigarette to a buddy to come down and offer to net the fish. One such exchange ended with a botched landing, and the 16-inch trout got away. His incredulous response still baffles me today. He went from jovial to serious and critiqued how I played the fish. Seriously. But that appeared to wake him up. He hopped on the bank, grabbed his smoke, said a few things to his buddies, pointed upstream, and then came back down. Oh yes, we'll get you a big fish now. There will be some downstream where it is wide. Regardless of where the blame lay for that lost fish, I was pleased that this newfound vigor for getting me on a fish was there. Sure, it was going to be a stock brown, but at least the fish had been pretty and numerous, and he really wanted to get me one big trout. He positioned me upstream of a deep hole and tied on a thick streamer. With the heavy, apparently traditional, fly rod, I flipped the fly out and stripped some line out to allow for a deep presentation. Sure enough, I felt a jolt on the first cast. The fight was on, it was a good fish. Even for such a broomstick as I was casting, the trout was putting a decent bend in the rod. My guide was giddy and even got his camera out and began to film. Oh yes, oh yes, let him run! He's not really pointing a line, and he's in the pool still. No, 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 give him line. We will get him to jump, and I will film it. I think I can land him here on this gravel. Oh, yes, but after a fight, I just need to film the... No! It got off. What did you do? I gave it line. You let the line loose? Now, I can't remember precisely what I said, but I'm almost positive that he caught that I wasn't too pleased with advice for playing the big brown. I reluctantly gave the fish too much slack, and the barbless streamer hook just came out on a head shake or some other maneuver. Briskly coming up to me, he looked at the leader, then the fly. The equipment was fine, but I think he was formulating his next move. He clipped off the leader, and then went from being frustrated right back to being almost apologetic. Oh yes, it is no good to lose a fish. You see, I want pictures from my website. You've got to be kidding me. All of the let him run and give him line was so that I could help shoot marketing materials? Now I know that you might be thinking that I'm insinuating too much, or that I was being presumptuous and let some hurt feelings and failed expectations ruin what had otherwise been a fine day of fishing. That I wasn't giving a man who had taken American tourist fishing at a productive fishery the benefit of the doubt. Well, what say you to this? Oh yes, he said, I have a plan. Oh yes? Oh yes, he replied confidently, missing my dry attempt at something. I will go get a rod and catch a fish for a good picture. There it is. No insinuation, no presumption. Mark the benefit as doubted. Off he went to get a fly rod to fish himself on the trip I paid for. And there I was, and I still didn't even have a fly on my leader. That morning, I woke up in the apartment that my wife and I had rented in downtown Florence. The noises of the nuns rustling in the courtyard below were the first reminders that I wasn't home. After getting everything prepped, train tickets, extra pants and socks, a wad of euros to pay and tip my guide, I headed across the city to the rail station. It was a surreal scene to be in an ancient city before it wakes up. I was excited to go fishing, but there was a part of me that also would have liked to stay and explore. My wife had a day of gelato, art, relaxation, and more gelato planned out. There was a twinge of regret that we'd be apart, too but like with any day fishing, all the sleepiness and discomfort is quickly shaken off when the reality of a day fishing sinks in. At the tray station, sipping my coffee, it hit me that I was about to drive into the mountains of Italy to catch trout. This was perfect. Now fast forward six hours and I was watching my guide cast a rising fish. This wasn't perfect. Oh yes, there should be a big one here. Oh yes, I thought. There's a big something here, but it isn't the fish. Like I've said, this whole time I'm reminding myself that I'm in another land with other customs and potentially other expectations for a guided fly fishing trip. Maybe this is all normal. Maybe he's doing his best to identify what the big ones are keying in on. Maybe I've somehow inadvertently asked for this. No. This is dumb. And it's going to keep being dumb. So I resolved to make the best of it. I kept fishing. I went over and asked for a few flies. He casted one more time, giving me the one second finger again and then popped open an overstuffed box of bugs that he was just thrusting at me. I grabbed a few little dries in the streamer. I said thanks, and headed back downstream. Not a word from him. In a passive-aggressive action of deliberate defiance, I walked out of his view. I didn't want his inconsiderate activity to ruin these last few hours of my fishing. I found a nice little run. I couldn't see the hatchery. I couldn't see my guide. I couldn't hear his posse loudly telling dirty jokes in Italian. I could just fish. There are a few nice brown trout rising. I caught a smallish one at the tail of the pool. Holding in the current, I thought that this wasn't all that bad. Sure, it's a stock trout, but it's a trout, and I'm fly fishing. Tonight, I'll have a delicious meal with my wife in a piazza of a stunning Renaissance-era cathedral. Tomorrow, we'll continue to explore and visit some more museums. Our Italian vacation had just gotten started. There was no reason to let a few hours with a squirrely guide put me in a bad mood. After only one or two more casts, I saw a rise under an overhanging limb. The rise form was beautiful, a small dimpled sip with a swell behind it. That kind of rise has a certain kind of trout underneath it. I had to get closer to be able to angle the cast such that the fly would land upstream of the branch. In doing so, I could see the fish laying up and watching the surface. It wasn't a leviathan, but it was a big trout, probably around 20 inches or so. And the most striking feature was a red hue that characterized its coloration. And it was feeding. It was a frantic back-and-forth wildness where it would look at this, look at that, eat this, rise to that, swim over there, take a break for a second, but then go back to feeding. This was a catchable fish. My first cast didn't quite get there. I blamed the stupid stiff rod. The second land with some vigor, and the fish rushed over but then bailed back to his feeding position. I blamed the stupid thick leader. The next cast was right on the money. It took a natural floating right in front of it. Stupid nature. But this was good. The trout was not at all put off by my inefficiency or ramshackle Italian equipment. I don't think, at that moment, that the previous few hours' irritations were anywhere close to the forefront of my mind. Then, oh yes, oh yes, Matthew, come quick! Running in hip boots through the creek was my guide. You know that jig-like gait that one has when quickly moving through current while carrying a rod above the water? Usually it's kind of a leprechaun quality, but in this fish-ruining movement, it was purely impish. In his other hand, he had a net, and said net, there was a fish. How far had this guy run down the stream with this trout up in the net? Quick, hold the fish, and I'll take a picture. No, I said, I didn't catch it, and I was irate. Obviously, my big brown had been put down in the ruckus. Plus, the whole idea of getting my picture taken with the personification, fish-sonification, of my day's frustration was inconceivable. Oh yes, here you go. He grabbed the thing like it was a loaf of bread and shoved it in my hands. I had to drop his fly rod to catch the stunned trout. Guess which pictures, from the day, came out well. Now, I'd love to share this one on the website. The look on my face is of utter disdain for the situation. A member of PETA would probably look less put off if photographed in the same situation. Maybe one day I will, but I don't want to throw this guide completely under the bus. Because, of course, the picture is still on his website. The drive back to the train was a little tense. I was content to make small talk about Italy, but wasn't too keen on talking about the day or fishing in general. Even the Formula One-style driving was fine, as it presumably would get me back quicker. Once we arrived, I gave him his money and a tip, because I guess... That's what one does. I gave a quick grazie. Hopefully my American accent covered the feigned gratitude. Off we went our separate ways. I'd go fishing in Italy again, in a heartbeat. I'd roll the dice in another country as well. Like anything else, you're taking a chance. I've had bad guides in the States, so this isn't any sort of condemnation of the Italian or international guide scene. This guy was either having a bad day, or was great at fooling me via email. As they might say in Italy, a k o k a. K.A., it is what it is. I met my wife that night at our little restaurant in Florence. The Ville Ossobucco was delicious. Man, I didn't even ask if the calf in question was native or wild, but I was over-parsing distinctions at that moment. We talked about our day, and I shared some of the peculiarities of my experience. Walking back to our apartment, crossing the Arno River, I saw some people fishing for rough fish. They looked happy and authentic. I wonder how many euros they'd need to put me on some catfish in urban Tuscany. That's from a post that is called Under the Tuscan Trout. It's a four-part series that I put out back in 2016 chronicling a situation that happened 10 years ago in September of 2009. So I hope you enjoy it. I would say go and check it out, the Under the Tuscan Trout series, because there are some really cool pictures. Not a whole lot of fish, as you may imagine, but some cool pictures of Italy. On this week at Casting Across, you can see two posts. The first is called Get a Few More Years from Fly Fishing Gear, and it's some basic gear maintenance tips that aren't like grease your reel and clean your fly rod, but even more basic than that. Things that I think are worth doing even if it's a couple more minutes here and there, not necessarily on the days you fish, but throughout your week as you're not fishing. And Wednesday, I put out a post called Rusty Flybox Autumn. This is another compilation piece where I have three articles all about fishing in fall, now that, at least at the time of recording, it is officially fall. So check that out. Some very good ones in there. Kind of a greatest hits of fall fishing articles from castingacross.com. Today's recommendation on the podcast is Trout and Feather. Now, this is one of those recommendations where I kind of feel funny doing it because Tim has over 19,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. And Trout and Feather is all about fly tying and kind of fly fishing miscellany. But the reason I'm suggesting and recommending the website is because it takes kind of that sterile YouTube feel and puts it in a little bit more personal and also kind of uh, hand-picked uh, structure so i really like using it and regardless of your skill level as a tire i think you'll appreciate it lots of good stuff there it goes again well beyond just fly tying but that's the bulk of the material that you'll find on trout and feather so definitely check them out i'll put a link to the website in the show notes for this podcast on castingcross.com thanks for listening to the casting cross fly fishing podcast please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in itunes then head over to castingcross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish.